First of all, why choose gratitude? The importance of gratitude and the consequence of gratitude. Yes, it's a three-point sermon. We're being super Presbyterian today. Although notice they are not all one word starting with the same letter. So it's not, it's not too bad. So let's, let's think about that, that first one. Why choose gratitude? Why should we be grateful? We're not doing rocket science here today. Why choose gratitude? Well, we should be grateful. We should be thankful for what God has done for us. It's a fairly straightforward idea. I'm sure none of you are hearing that for the first time. Hopefully. And yet it's worth us taking a bit of time over. Because it's something God's people have always struggled to do. To remember God, to keep him central in their lives. We have have Moses. And Moses personally struggled with this himself. Raised in the palace as an Egyptian by Pharaoh's daughter, but raised on her behalf by his own mother. Taught who he is, who his people are, who his God is. And then he completely forgets all of that. And he tries to take matters into his own hands. He forgets God is the promised rescuer. And he tries to help his own people and he ends up murdering an Egyptian slave driver. And he ends up running away from the Egyptians and his God. He then spends 40 years in the wilderness himself. Before God comes and calls Moses to lead God's people out of slavery... And he's actually pretty reluctant to do it. But God reminds him of who he is and what he has done for his people. And Moses eventually agrees to begin this task. Now Moses stands over the people he has led for 40 years. And in the early verses of this chapter, he calls them to remember who their God is. He calls them to gratitude. He knows that just like him, the people have struggled to keep God central in their lives. The reason they're still wandering around the desert is because they've been under the discipline of God for failing to trust him, for failing to remember him. They have seen and heard of God doing great wonders for them. The plagues, the parting of the Red Sea, the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud leading them at night and during the day. This passage talks about the bread coming from heaven which sustained them, the water coming from the rock, the clothes that never wore out, their feet that didn't swell, 40 years of of walking in difficult terrain. The Israelites were surrounded by God and his gifts. And even though they were under his loving discipline, and even though they had little, it seems, no real wealth, no homes, they were totally reliant and provided for each day by God's provision. They had still witnessed God's mighty work in their rescue from the chains of slavery. And yet they were so quick to lose their gratitude, to forget the God who had saved them. We see when we read Exodus how quick they were to grumble. Even just after the plagues, when they had seen God do incredible things, they get to the Red Sea, see no way across, and immediately start to complain. You should have left us in Egypt as slaves rather than bring us out here to die. Numerous times over the course of, of Exodus, they say, let's go, back to, let's go back to Egypt. Let's go back to slavery. At least we knew what that was like. 
Let's go back to our chains. Even during that time wandering the wilderness, we see the people quick to forget what their God has done and is doing. And when Moses is meeting with God on Mount Sinai, they they try and replace him with a golden calf. They claim it as their God. And we see that story revisited in the next chapter, in chapter 9 of Deuteronomy. These opening verses of of chapter 8 are a call to gratitude to a people prone to forget the God they follow. To forget the God they love. wonder what you're thinking about that at the minute. You're thinking, how could those guys have been so blind? How could they have been so quick to forget this God who was all around them? Who was doing these incredible things? How could they be so quick to lose their gratitude? I wonder, are you thinking, flip, I need a Moses in my life. I need someone who gives me a fairly regular kick in the backside and says, remember your God. Remember all he has done for you. Choose gratitude. You see, I reckon we're probably more like those Israelites than we are probably comfortable admitting. Those guys were rescued from slavery led to the promised land, with this promise of being made right with God, they had a lot to be grateful for. We have been rescued from the eternal consequences of our sin. The consequences of our rejection of God that makes us dead. God has provided a rescue from that. He has allowed dead sinners to be brought back to life. And it cost him everything we have been rescued from slavery to sin given new life and are on our way to the eternal perfect promised land where we get to be co-heirs to the throne with Christ why gratitude why should we be grateful to God Because he has done more for us than we could ever even begin to show gratitude for. And remembering all he has done for us, remembering the gospel at all times, helps us to keep him central in our lives and not forget him. We have so much more to be grateful for. And yet, are we not just as quick to forget God? As those people Moses was speaking to. Just as quick to keep turning uh, back to slavery. We're trying to return to the slavery that sin held us under. To put those chains back on that Jesus has broken for us on the cross. In bad and in, in, in difficult times, are we not just as quick to grumble? To try and find our our own solutions to problems rather than lift things up to God. And when things are going well for us, when life is is reasonably good, comfortable, cushy, are we prone to just coast along? Our Christian walk can, can just become something we fit into our life rather than life itself. Because if we're brutally honest, do we really need it? 
That brings us on to our second point. The importance of gratitude. You see, gratitude stops us from becoming complacent in our faith and proud of our own achievements. Moses is speaking to the Israelites one final time before he he dies and they begin that process of entering the promised land. He knows soon the people will will be settled in this land flowing with milk and honey. Their food will grow easily. Their animals will thrive. They will build nice houses and have big families, good jobs and do well. Moses knows how quick they have been in the past to forget God. And he warns the people as they enter this pleasant time in their history to not lose their gratitude and become proud of their own achievements. We see this in in verses 10 to 14 and then 17 and 18. I'm just going to quickly read them for you again. If you want to follow along. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when you heard... Uh, When your herds and flocks grew large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And then verse 17 and 18. You may say to yourself, my power, the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors, as it is today. God blessed his people with a good land, with a good earthly life during this time. Now that doesn't mean that that's the norm, or what we should expect. Remember that these guys have just spent spent a long time as slaves in Egypt, and 40 years after that, wandering around the wilderness. So earthly blessing as the world recognises it is not a guarantee from God. You are nowhere in the Bible promised your best life now as the world defines it. But during this time they were blessed. And many of us sitting here today in the western world have been well blessed by God. Now as a a poor ministry apprentice I'm not including myself in that. Uh, maybe, Maybe one day I'll be a rich PCI minister, I don't know. Um, but, you know, we, we don't do too badly over here. And there is this significant issue with success, with doing well, with living a comfortable lifestyle. We can so easily start to attribute our success to our own efforts and forget God's hand in it. We can become proud of our own achievements and successes and forget the God who, as verse 18 says, gives us the ability to produce wealth. And for people who who fall into that trap, the Christian church becomes little more than a social club. A place to come and hear an encouraging message from usually the, the nice bits of the Bible. They come to spend time with friends. They maybe come to church to get involved in... uh, some sort of social action to relieve what is sort of starting to be termed middle class guilt. 
They may on the surface look very similar to a regular disciple, but people who have fallen into that trap of pride, of thinking what God has done for them is their doing, they actually have very little need of God. After all, look, look what they've done. Look what they have achieved without any need of God. And little by little, their lives slowly drift away from the God that they've lost all gratitude towards. Let me ask you this. Do you need God in your day-to-day life? Is being a disciple of Jesus an important part of everything you do each day? Are you proud of, of what you've achieved in your life? Or are you grateful for all God has blessed you with? Now, don't get me wrong here. There is nothing inherently wrong with hard work or achievement or success or doing well. There is nothing wrong with that. You only have to look at the Psalms or Proverbs um, to see that. But verse 18 confirms to us that the fact that, that all human strength, gifts, abilities, life itself, and all the material resources wealth comes from, are gifts from God. David opened Psalm 24 with these words, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The importance of gratitude is this. It's to remember when we have little or when we have lots, that all things are gifts from God. Whether they're achieved by our own hands or not, and we are stewards, not owners, of all he has granted to us. Paul sums this up well in in Philippians 4, 12-14, where he says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. And I have learned the secret of being content in all situations. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Paul's focus is on God. He, He shows gratitude to the one who gives him strength. So he can cope with lots or little. And interestingly, Paul seems to be suggesting that it's, it's just as much of a struggle to live with plenty as it is to live with little. He, he puts those things in the same, the same power. Maybe in his time around the Pharisees as a, as a young man, he witnessed that complacency, that complacency towards God that can come from, from being proud of your own achievements or having that comfortable, that cushy lifestyle. And we read in the rest of the Old Testament that this was a lesson God's people struggled with. They struggled to remember God when they came into into good times, into that promised land. And that leads us to to the final point, the consequence of gratitude. You see, gratitude to God helps us to choose life instead of death each day. Choose life is is our our central idea in this series. Coming near the end of of his sermon in chapter 30, Moses states, I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. 
Now choose life. If you have a look at at verse 1 again, it says this, Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. Be careful to follow every command. The big command in this particular passage is what? Do not forget the Lord your God and all he has done for you. If you, want to, if you follow that command, you will receive life. That's what that verse is saying. You follow the commands, you receive life. As Christoph was saying a few weeks ago about, about these verses, um, these are not transactions. These are not, if you do this for me, then I'll reward you with this. These are promises. These are statements of fact. If you follow these commands, then you will have life. It will lead to life, real life. Because gratitude to God will be central to who you are and lead you to love him more and allow him to be central in everything that you do. Remembering God leads to life. And then we have this stark warning at the end of the chapter in verses 19 and 20. If you forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed. Like the nations the Lord destroyed before you, so you will be destroyed for not obeying the Lord your God. Choosing to put anything in the place of God in your life leads to death. Nothing less. Even good things, if they become uh, God things in your life, you're choosing death. Destruction instead of life. Because you have replaced the one who gives life with something that can't. No matter how good it is or it seems. You know, in many ways, if the Israelites wanted an easy life, they would have been better off mixing in with the other nations, following their destructive practices, their harmful rituals involving child sacrifice and all sorts of perverse acts, breaking all God's laws put in place to to model that true life. And we see throughout the rest of the Old Testament that many times they tend to agree. To avoid war to try and and bolster their own failing regimes, to just be like the other nations. The Israelites and their kings are regularly forgetting all of what Moses is teaching here. And they either totally abandon God or begin to mix in pagan practices, other gods, other things into their walk with God. They become half-hearted and every time they forget God or stop focusing on God, they think it's bringing life. Praying to Baal instead of God, Baal this fertility God for better crops, for more children. Bowing down before foreign kings in the hope of their military protection or might. They think they're they're doing things that are going to bring them life. But it only ever brings destruction and death. Because only following and trusting in God leads to true life. Choosing life 
leads to real life, abundant life. For those of us who are disciples of Jesus, eternal life. But not necessarily an easy life. You only have to look at Jesus or the disciples or Paul to see that. We see, I think, the best example of of how remembering God helps us to choose life instead of death in the temptations of Jesus. A story story linked to this passage. I want to just quickly read it to you, and we're going to finish with this. Um, If you want to turn to it, we're going to look at Matthew's account in Matthew 4, uh, page 967. This This is Matthew 4, 1 to 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a high, very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said. If you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan. For it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. (coughs) We see here three temptations. Three offers that on the surface look like life, but are really death. Don't starve. Feed yourself. Have life. Jump. Angels will appear and you will prove to everyone right now who you are. Have control of all the kingdoms of the earth. You can be a king without the cross. Each of these temptations were designed to make it seem like they would bring life. But they were going against God's commands. And unlike us, so often, Jesus remembers who God is. His love for him. And is able to use his word to choose life. To to recognize that true life comes not from physical nourishment, but from the life-giving mouth of God, the very mouth that breathed life into our nostrils and that we have in the Bible. The God whose love Jesus didn't need to put to the test and the God who's the only one worthy and worth worshipping. Satan offered Jesus choices that would have satisfied his earthly desires. but would have ultimately led 
to destruction, to death. But Jesus didn't forget his God. Jesus didn't forget his Father. And he chose life. That life didn't always look pleasant. In fact, in in the world's view, Jesus seemed to be choosing death. But through him, keeping God central in his life and death and resurrection, we have been given this opportunity to have life everlasting. We are offered choices every day. Some lead to life, some lead to death and destruction. And sometimes it's hard for us to know which is which. When we keep God central to our lives, when we stay grateful to him, reliant on him, and each day strive to become more and more Christ-like, we too will be able to do what the Israelites so often struggle to do, and we so often struggle to do. To choose life instead of death. So today, let's choose gratitude. Let's be grateful for all that God has done for us to bring us into his kingdom. Let's be grateful and remember God in the times of little and the times of plenty. Remembering that everything we are and have is God's gift to us to use wisely. And let's be grateful that God chose us and brought us into his kingdom. Let's remember him. Because it helps us to choose life each day instead of death. Let's choose gratitude. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are a God who loves us deeply. You are the God who gave the most precious thing you had. So that we who could never come close to your perfection by our own works and merit could be restored and made right with you. Thank you Jesus for all that you have done for us through your life and death and resurrection. How you took our place, our sin, onto yourself. So that we can stand before you as truly clean and truly righteous because of you. Lord, help us to to never grow cold to the amazing things you have done for us. The amazing grace that you have shown us. Help us to think of you often. To remember you at all times. And to respond Always with gratitude. Help our gratitude lead us to keep you at the centre of all that we are, of all that we do. Help it to stop us from becoming complacent and half-hearted towards you, our great God. And help us, Lord, to every day, in every situation, on every front line we face, to choose life instead of death. Lord, help us today to choose gratitude. Amen.